Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Science and Stigma podcast. Uh, another week, another podcast. Don't have my notes today. I'm trying to just go on with the flow. Uh, it's just me and mom here today. What's going on, mom? Hey. She's got some things that she wants to talk about, and uh, I'm here to listen as well, just like you guys are. So take it away. Yeah, I just want to reach out. Um, I did some research, got some ideas from people like connections. We always say, yeah, we're going to try to get connections. Who do we call? Who can we reach out to if, if we're in any type of situation? So I had the pleasure of meeting a couple different people, a couple different organizations who help do different things. My goal is to get them on a podcast, but I thought I'd just kind of recap uh, some of the things that happened last week and how I got this information. I started at the fair last week. Uh, I was working with the Not One More organization. Alyssa Warball invited me. She's going to come on to a podcast to go over a little bit more about what Not One More does for the community. But I was able to sit in the booth. And if you haven't seen this booth, it's a Not One More booth. And Not One More stands for Not One More Overdose, Not One More Lost Spirit, and Not One More Grieving Heart. It's basically their mission statement and purpose is to educate the families about the hazards of heroin and other drug abuse. Um, So they actually take interest in the children, trying to help people um, follow the right path in regards to incarceration, death, uh, devastation, just helping the addict and also the family. So I got to learn a little bit more about them. They work with other organizations. I was able to attend a meeting that they were at last week. And it's a York chapter, so there's not one more all over the place. So sitting at the fair, uh, listening to people come up, I found some interesting um, stories. One of the stories was definitely a huge stigma. That was a mother who came up with her children who's never touched drugs, alcohol. Um, She's missing a couple teeth. You could see it when she came up, and she was conscious of it. But what she said to me was... uh, she's never touched any of this stuff and just the stigma of drugs where it affects your teeth meth affects your teeth other drugs affects your teeth they just assume that she's on drugs and she gets that look even her counselors and doctors ask her consistently are you on drugs like what's going on and it's all basically because she's missing a couple teeth so that's definitely stigma she was a very interesting person to speak to in regards to the stigma of of people and how they look at addiction. Um, I had another father come up who talked to me probably for about 10 or 15 minutes, just asking me questions about the organization, asking me about what I knew about it, why I was in the booth. And it took him until the end to actually look at me and say, my daughter um, died of an overdose last year. It took me to say that I lost my son before he was comfortable enough to admit that he lost his daughter so there's definitely still stigma out there in regards to addiction. Um, and it was just an eye-opener, like I said. It, there's so many different things, so many different people. I had a mother speak about just lost her son a few months ago, and she was frustrated with the police department um, for the way things were handled. And I, I understood that frustration, and I explained to her that seven years ago I had that same frustration And then Alyssa shared with us that there was 87 deaths so far this year. And so we have to put that in perspective for all those parents out there that think that the police don't care or people don't care in general, not just necessarily the police, but investigators or 
the government just doesn't care. Our one child is so important to us that we're so focused on our one child. We have to remember 87 other families are wanting the same thing from them as we want for our own child. So it does take patience. It is frustrating. But I just want to give you that perspective uh, because it's important to understand that this is such a large epidemic that so many people are facing and people don't know how to handle it and it it hits your home and it's crazy I had a guy walk past and look at me and say I don't need to see this because it's never going to happen to my family I had another guy come up and say I don't understand the difference between Narcan and insulin I pay for my insulin but these people are continually being Narcan for free And like I was frozen for a minute and I didn't know what to say and I had to think about it. And then with guidance, I just said, I know what I'm going to say the next time. Like I was speechless. I was going to defend the Narcan and I thought, I don't even know what to say. This guy's like obviously ticked off about this Narcan versus insulin, which is a hot topic anywhere you go. People have their opinions and I understand their opinions. So my best response going forward and to anyone else who feels the need to discuss Narcan versus any other type of EpiPen or insulin or anything of that sort is to say, I sure hope that this doesn't touch your family where you're going to need the Narcan and leave it at that. Don't defend, don't defend, um, because it's not worth it. It's just not that they're ignorant. They're just not educated people. So I just wanted to share that little bit of information. Um, I was able to do a national night out. I really enjoyed talking to other people. It's a good feeling for those that have lost children to be able to talk about their children because so many people are afraid to say anything to us because they don't want us to get upset. So I enjoyed speaking to other parents that were in the same situation as I was. And actually, Alyssa and I kind of bounced off each other because she's on the other end. She has someone in her life that is fighting addiction. She did not lose a family member, but she could respect how I feel. And we kind of like bounced off each other depending upon who came to the booth and what the situation was. She's very great um, memory. She remembers everything, everybody. So I really didn't care for the group at first, and she knows that, and we laugh about it now, but they do help people. They give you, um, it's community education and awareness events. They have a Not One More Walk coming September 11th, Uh, but they help you find resources, recovery, counseling. They often put on their website if there's an open bed at one of the recover at one of the rehabs, wait their run. Uh, They're really good with putting that kind of information out. They also give free Narcan kits um, to recovery houses and to the public. If you ask for it, um, she's going to get it to you. They give personal care items, so they're given hygiene products, programs to maintain recovery. They're based a lot upon recovery and the success of recovery. And they give financial assistance, which I thought was kind of cool. They give financial assistance for funerals. And that's important because if you've lost a loved one and you don't have insurance and it's unexpected as an overdose death is, it's, it's a lot to think about. And so they do try to give a contribution to help with that. So that's one of the organizations that I wanted to put out there. If you're looking for recovery and you need something or there's an emergency, if you call that not one more, they're able to use their resources to get someone into recovery. Um, I have their pamphlet here and it's on their website. What's their website? Um, it's admin at nom, N-O-M, york.org. 
And they also have a Facebook page. They do a lot of interaction with the Facebook page. It's a group that you can join and you'll get all the information. That's where they actually post the different events that they have. And also if there's availability in a rehab center, they post that on there. They really keep you in tune. There's good articles, educational articles that they post on there. And they really collaborate with other organizations. So we had Bruce from uh, Bart's Brigade on our podcast. She'll post stuff for them. Like they post for each other. They try to help each other out. One of the other organizations that I met through this, not one more um, last week, was I was at the Just For Today, the JFT. That's in York on Market Street. That's a fairly new um, fairly new organization and they're helping veterans with post-traumatic stress they're helping uh, addiction they have aa meetings at their facility and one of the things i learned there is um we spoke with becky who runs that and we were going over some projects and she's the one that made me aware and i should have remembered this but i didn't that actually august is national overdose awareness month and so that's for all the people who overdosed and they're looking to do something special for those families because she's ramping up for September, which is National Recovery Month. Um, and she, she mentioned a couple things, and I think about it. The people in recovery, we don't give them enough praise. We talk about how to get people into recovery. We talk about the people that we lost. But what about these people that are five, six, seven years clean, even a year clean? Think about all the people we have on this podcast that say how hard it is to get to that point. And we even say like they struggle every day of their life. So we have all these programs for all these people that need help, but maybe we need a program where people can just celebrate their recovery and and make people aware. Because when you're in this situation, you see all the negative parts of it. You see the the addiction itself and the ugliness and the death that sometimes happens. But what about the joyful stories of people who have overcome the addiction, who have, you know, we have doctors, lawyers, like there's so much about recovery that we should celebrate instead of always constantly looking at the negative. I think, I think the positive stuff's out there. It goes back to you find what you're looking for. Right. But let's celebrate it. When people hear about addiction, do we ever go say, yeah, but so many people recover from it. it? It goes back to a meeting that I sat in a couple years ago where I sat in in a meeting and one mother was complaining because her son was doing whatever he was doing. And I sat there and I was thinking to myself, wow, at least you have your son. And that's when I was uneducated at that point. And so we kind of talk about that and we laugh about it now because once I got educated, I understand their path is just as horrible as my path. Losing, losing Kyle, it was horrible. But some of the things that these um, families live with and go through during this addiction is just as hard. Not knowing if your child's coming home. We heard stories, you know, Jackie shared with us, you steal, you do whatever it takes. You hurt your families. Matt shared that. Steve shared that. And then you have that mother who's sitting there whose son is in addiction listening to me say, I lost my son, and I never thought about the flip side of it. What about that mother whose son or daughter just became an addict, and they're hearing all this 
they're going to walk out of that meeting thinking, my gosh, my son or daughter is going to die because everybody in this meeting just sat here and said their kids died. And it really made me think about there's so many aspects to this addiction. Like, did we ever, I never thought about it. Like, I'm thinking about why is this lady complaining? Like, at least she has her son. And then when she said, this lady said to me, what about the people who are sitting here whose son and daughter is in addiction now and they're hearing your story and all they're thinking about is my son or daughter's not going to make it. So there's so many different groups that can learn. And do you separate these groups or do you put them together? Because this is a real thing. This is everything about addiction. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, they're doing a lot for the overdose awareness. They're having a memorial event on August 28th. They came up with some really neat ideas with that. And then they really want to kick it off in September for National Recovery Month. They want to have people tell their stories of how I recovered and bringing that aspect out that it doesn't always have to be doom and gloom. So just for today, it's on Market Street. They also have a Facebook page and a website, and I don't have that website written down right now, but I can get that, and we'll post that on our page. And then last but not least, um, I met Robin downtown. Her name's Robin. She does the Friends and Neighbors organization. It's an outreach. It's a coordinated street outreach program, and I met her through the Homeless and what they actually do is their their mission statement is to uncover the needs to allow neighbors to uh, re reach their full potential. So these are homeless people. These are people that are not necessarily homeless but just need help. I spoke to her a little bit because they do things like walk down the street. They deliver water to the people on the streets when it's hot out. They do a lot of different things. She's going to get me a brochure on everything that they cover, but... They actually carry their laptops downtown. If someone needs uh, to check on their social security card or they need to check on their stimulus package or they need to check on food stamps or anything of that sort, this organization is something that can help them. They also help the homeless. She has a hotline. It's a coordinated street outreach hotline. Um, that number is 717-699-8445. And I believe that that's like a 24-hour hotline. If you're in a situation, you need housing, you have children, you need housing, she has connections with different organizations that can help you. And she has several helpers that help her as well. She deals with mostly the people on the street. And I actually learned something interesting on their website that there's currently right now 300 homeless people in just York City alone. And 70 of those are unsheltered, meaning they don't have a place to go at nighttime. And so she's the person that helps them get doctor appointments. She comes downtown on Saturdays sometimes just because she knows they're going to come to eat. They ignore her all week or they can't get into her office to see her. So she'll come down with her pad and she helps them. I know she helped one uh, boy who wanted a job desperately but didn't have his social security card, he wasn't willing to give up his ID and she convinced him, you know, to let her help him. They use a post office box so that these people can get their mail. So that's just three of the organizations that I met in just one week. And I just wanted to kind of data dump, I'd say, just give you some information. They all have websites, but there's so much opportunity to help out there 
We have the homeless that we feed on the weekends. Mike was on the podcast. We still do that Saturdays and Sundays. If you're ever interested in that, that's your giving helping hands. That's also a page that you can get on. Um, and if anybody has anything else that they want to share, that they have a group or an organization that we have not mentioned or covered in any of these podcasts, please reach out to us. This is not a podcast, a normal podcast. This is more of an educational podcast with the hopes that at some point we can schedule each of these individuals to come and talk more on their program and exactly what they do to help because there's so many people out there that need help. And it's been an eye-opener for me. I sat at that fair and I thought to myself, if you would have told me eight years ago that I'd be sitting in a booth talking about overdose and addiction, I never would have believed you. And it just goes to show it can happen. Anything can happen to anybody, anytime. Homelessness, it's not because you're dirty, lazy people. It's good people that are out on the streets. They just came across some hard times and the addiction part of it, and even the veterans that they handle at JFT. These are veterans who fought for our country and came back, and they have some struggles, and it's great to see that they have a place to go. Anything else, Austin? Any questions regarding any of it? Not that I can think of. Like, I'm just passionate about it. It's been a great week for me. I like to talk, as most of you know, but... I like to help. There's so many people out there that want to help. There's so many good people that need help, that don't want to reach out for help. And there's so many people that are out there wanting to help. So again, if you know of anybody, email us, uh, put it on our page and we'll learn more about that organization. I want to do a little bit more on overdose awareness month. So try to get some people that we can talk to that have lost loved ones. And then next month I want to focus on some people that are in recovery that have successfully, even if it's a week have successfully made that decision to stop using. And I'd like to hear their stories and celebrate their lives as well, because they're just as important. You mentioned something about getting rid of this thing called addiction. I would love to get rid of addiction. Do you think you can get rid of it completely? I don't think you're ever going to get rid of addiction as in general. People are addicted to many different things as we cover on these podcasts, but I feel like we need to do more for the epidemic. I, I was talking to someone. They asked me if I heard from the uh, attorney general's office because we're hearing about all this money, at least $1 billion given to the state of Pennsylvania because of these pharmaceuticals being sued and you can't sue the individual people aren't going to get this money so now one of my goals is to use some resources to find out what is pennsylvania's goal and how are we going to distribute over one billion dollars to people that are in addiction because some of them started out with an accident or an injury and they were put on oxycontin and or whatever other drug that's addicting and these pharmaceutical companies that were comping these doctors to to use those prescriptions to use their medicines their their pills and paying them to use it or giving them gifts to use it and do you know this stuff for facts what's that is all these facts or what these are these are things that came up in the court case that doctors were being compensated there's a sunshine law now that they can't actually do that but they would give them gifts and things to, to 
purchase and prescribe these medicines. And so it's a big thing. And I don't read the news. I try to stay away from all the negativity. But what I do know is the government uh, is getting money. The state of Pennsylvania is getting money. And we need to make sure that we're doing it correctly. And everybody says, what's one person going to do? If every one of us says, what is one person going to do? Nothing's going to happen. But if one person adds another person till we get enough people to figure out how do we go against this and figure out what we're going to do, I think it's important. I think there's so much silence and there's so much going on and there's rumors and there's things that are true, things that aren't true. But any kind of money that can be put towards this addiction is is key. I mean, I'll just give you an example of how bad it is. I was taking a walk at work today and I went down this one street and literally there was a guy sitting there on a bench injecting heroin in his arm in broad daylight in the middle of York City. What was your reaction? Um, I crossed the street and I probably cried for the next two blocks because I was, I've never visually saw that. Like I've seen things, but I never visually saw that. And it was disturbing to me. And he didn't have a care in the world. He didn't hide it. And it was a, it was a popular street. It wasn't like a back alley somewhere. I was not in a back alley. I was on a main street in New York City and I saw him doing it right there on the bench. And that just blows my mind that it's that open. And then one other quick story. So I did the, uh, the National Police Night Out, and the Elks Club was next to my Not One More booth I was filling in, and he had a suitcase that you opened up, and it showed you what the drugs looked like, what the pills looked like, what the paraphernalia looked like. Basically, it was to show kids like what these things look like because we talk about it I didn't know what black tar heroin looked like I didn't know what some of that stuff looked like and so we had it at the end of the table we were sharing the Elks Club was sharing the end of my table there and so many people came up and the reactions were so different from the parents because this is a national night out so the kids had to go around table to table and get stamps so that they could win a prize at the end of this police night out and so many different reactions. I had to say to Carrie, who was working with me, you need to explain this to people because you put it on my table. How many parents came up and said, the kids would say, what's that, Mommy? What's that, Daddy? And they were like, you don't need to know about that. That's bad for you. That's the response. Say no to drugs, but if they don't know what the drug looks like, how do they know to say no? And I said to the one parent, she goes, this is very interesting. I didn't even know what this stuff looked like. And her child said, well, what is it? And I said, these are all drugs. And Carrie kept saying, these are things you don't want to do. And I would always follow up with that. If someone offers you anything in this case, you're going to want to say no. So we train all these kids to say. Yeah, but their next, next question to that statement would be why? Because they're curious. curious. Because kids are, kids drugs always want can to know kill you. Do they really comprehend that, though? At some ages, they do. And we ha I had a mother walk past, and her daughter was three years old, and she said, we're going to start learning about this real young because I think it's important. And then I had people walk by who had, like, 10, 11-year-old kids and said, we well, don't look at that. 
And then I had some people say there was a cigarette in there. And I had little kids say, Law, Daddy, you do that. Like, we're saying don't touch drugs. They're bad, and there's a cigarette in there. And they pointed right to it. Daddy, you do that. So then I'm like, okay, so now do they think their dad's bad? Like, so I was, like, conflicted through this whole thing. But just the different responses was amazing to me, how different parents or families react to seeing that. Like, I was torn. I was, like, on the fence. Like, should we, shouldn't we? But it made sense to me. Like, the ones that didn't want their kids to see said, don't worry about it. You don't need to, you don't need to know what that is. Or the ones that want to find out what it is. Or the ones that are, yeah, because they don't know. But it made sense to me. Like, and I said, these are the things that you may be offered that you're going to say no to. And then one, one parent said, well, my son's on Ritalin prescribed by the doctor and I'm like yeah that's a conversation you have to have so we're showing pills here and they're not necessarily bad if you teach your kids if a doctor prescribes them or your mom or dad gives them to you because you have an illness or whatever they're acceptable but if someone off the street hands it to you because for example and I don't know this for a fact but just sitting here talking about and thinking about it if you're taking a pill if your mom and dad give you a pill every day for whatever medical condition you have and somebody on the street comes up and says, hey, do you want one of these pills? And you see it, and it's a pill that you've been taking all the time. You might take that pill. I don't think it's ever too young to educate. I don't know what education at what age is, is good, but I think we need to talk about it a little bit more than just saying to kids today, don't do drugs. What was it like when we were growing up? What would you tell us? Don't do drugs. Did you ever once in your life see what every drug looked like? I couldn't. I couldn't tell you right now what anything really looks like to me. I don't. So if you're vulnerable, to me, and you're crack with a, is white powder. What else? Well, I don't know. Could, I see this stuff on like uh, the movies. You see some of the stuff on the movies. Right, but if you're a young group of kids and you go out and some guy comes up to you on the street and says, hey, look at this powder, try this. Are you going to try it? You don't know what it is. You were never told what it was. I mean, I, I even had a mother, and I didn't even know the answer to this until Kyle. Like, she said, what the heck is that spoon doing in there? What the heck do you do with the spoon? How do you even use this stuff? And I'm like, I can't answer all those questions. But it was interesting and it does come up like how do you educate and at what age do you educate and we talk about it like we should start in the schools early maybe all the parents don't want their kids to know about it because they might be curious so there's like so different but like growing up for me if i don't really remember too much i know we learned about it in school but i couldn't tell you like to what extent it was just one of those things where i didn't it was just another class i had to pass or another topic i had to pass right that's what i mean we just constantly say say no to drugs what does that mean i mean say no to drugs but like what what are what are they like you said we're looking looking at them yeah i i don't i don't know the answer all i know is that it was a very informational week for me my brain was on overload, asking tons of questions of tons of people, hearing all kinds of different stories. Everybody has a story. All of us have stories. So much information to gather. 
and so much more to learn. And if all these organizations can collaborate together, you talk about getting rid of addiction, it's never going to go away. But if we have more resources and more support, it might help. Yeah. And, and then now mental health is coming into it. I had a psychiatrist stop at the fair and tell me he's had more patients since COVID. Apparently that's going back up. I don't even know. I don't know. I don't that. listen to that. But he literally said in five years, this country is going to be in worse shape than it is today. And that scares me. Do you believe him? I don't know to believe him or not believe him. But if it's true, if can what he, he says future? is true. Can he see the future? But what he said, the trend, if he's following a trend, if that trend continues. Has it happened in the past? Yes, we are up a lot of cases of overdose right now. And it just continues to rise. It just can, keeps continuing to rise. And if that trend follows how it's increasing year after year, we are going to be in trouble if we don't figure this out. So it's been, the deaths have been increasing every year? Yes. By how much? Double-digit percentages. I don't know exactly the specific numbers. I mean, I can Google that. I know 87 deaths so far this year. And we're halfway through the year. And maybe in 2014, 13, it may have been 20 for the whole entire year. It just keeps growing. And this fentanyl keeps growing too. Now they said fentanyl's in crack. Where before it was just in the heroin. Then it was straight fentanyl. And now they said that uh, one of the deaths recently was they found fentanyl in the crack cocaine so i don't know it's just a scary topic but i just wanted to bring out some of the great organizations um, that i learned about and everybody has you know their own opinion on different organizations and the reason behind them and why people do what they do in these organizations but it's good to help people and to make them aware whether you like the organization or not, there's some help out there for everybody. So thanks. So you got to say? Yep. All right, guys. This is the Silencing and Stigma podcast. Thanks for tuning in another week. Uh, we will see you next week. See ya. See ya.